All right, well, it's great to be with you in worship this morning. My name is BJ, and I'm a part of the pastoral team here, and I'm looking forward to getting into God's Word with you uh, this morning. And uh, we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 28, and so if you want to turn there in your Bibles, and uh, we're going to be looking, uh, looking there at the, the very end of the book of Matthew, um, the first, first book of the New Testament, and uh, if, uh, if you don't have a Bible of your own, uh, feel free to grab one from, from the pew rack or, or even take that one home with you because uh, we would love for you to be able to have a Bible. So uh, as you're turning there to Matthew chapter 28, I want to tell you about a memory that I have from my childhood that's, uh, that's pretty strong. Uh, we, uh, we were on our way, uh, my family and I, um, up the road. Uh, I was probably 11 or 12 years old, maybe 10. And, uh, and as we were driving... It was one of those just beautiful, beautiful days to be out driving. Uh, in western Iowa, there's a lot of uh, rolling hills, and so uh, we were just out for, for a great drive uh, to drive the two or three hours up north to go visit some good friends of ours. And uh, I remember specifically that my brother and I were taking turns playing our Game Boy uh, as, as we sat in the back seat. Now, I'm seeing a few blank faces from, from some of our younger uh, listeners. A Game Boy was a small, yet surprisingly heavy, handheld uh, gaming device that allowed you to play such classic games as Tetris and Donkey Kong and, and others on a small, two-dimensional black and white screen. And uh, there's a picture right up there. The screen was actually that small. I'm sure there's probably uh, thousands of people my age who uh, now have impaired vision from squinting at that little screen trying to get Donkey Kong to the next level. Well, uh, I remember that day well. Uh, I remember that, that uh, as I said, the weather was just beautiful. And it was one of those days where you, you roll down the window of the car and uh, you just stick your arm out the window. And you just kind of ride the waves of the wind. You know, just, it was just a great, great day. Well, our great day was about to be interrupted in a big way. Because as we uh, prepared to, to go around a corner uh, there on the road, we heard a loud crashing sound. And we came around the corner to, to discover that, that a semi-truck had lost control and, and gone into the ditch and then come back up and there was just, there was wreckage everywhere. It was a huge mess. And uh, of course, we knew that we had to stop. We, we, we knew that we had to help in some way. We had no idea what we were going to do once we stopped, but we knew that we had to help. And so we pulled over and I remember the scene vividly. I remember that the, the semi-truck, uh, the cab was red, but it was twisted and, and torn there was metal and wreckage everywhere. I, I remember the smell of, of, of the rubber uh, that had burnt, you know, as, as the semi tried to, to screech to a, a stop. I remember the, the twisted metal. I remember the, the rising smoke. And, and I remember we pulled over and, and we, knew that it was, we knew that we had to get out. We knew that we had to help. And in that moment, before I opened up the door to get out of the car, I remember just taking a deep breath and my heart was racing. My heart was racing. I mean, here I was, a 10, 11-year-old boy. How was I going to help? What could I do? Well, as we got out of the car and took a, two, uh, took a few steps onto the scene of the accident, we realized that there was already somebody else who had arrived on the scene. Just, just a few seconds before us, a guy who was out bicycling uh, saw what happened. Maybe he was involved but he, uh, he, he, he was off of his bicycle and he was kind of running from, from place to place, uh, checking the situation. And so as we got out of the car and, and we got closer, he came up to us and he looked us straight in the eye and he said, listen, it's okay, I'm a doctor and I'm taking charge here. 
And so suddenly there was this sense of calm at, at the knowledge of his presence. This doctor was going to lead us. He was going to give us instructions and tell us how to help in the situation. You know, in the same way, God is going to lead us as we seek to reach our, our community here. God, the great physician, has instructions for us. He, he is going to lead us. And, and he has already shown up on, on the scene here. We are, we are not going ahead of God. God has been at work, and, and we know this here in our community for a long time. God has been at work, and so he's inviting us to join him in that work. He's in, inviting us to join him in his mission here, here in our community. And so that brings a great deal of, of uh, peace at knowing that, that he is here. Well, we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20 uh, this morning. And uh, for those of you who've been around church for a while, uh, this is a pretty familiar passage. It's known as the Great Commission. And uh, this Great Commission is found at the very end of Matthew's account of Jesus' life. And so these are Jesus' final words. He's, he's getting ready to go back up to heaven, to, to ascend uh, up to heaven. And so he gives this final commission, this final message to his followers. And so this is what he says. He says, starting in verse 18, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. We're gonna, we're gonna stop right there. So we see that Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now, God had given Jesus uh, a great deal of authority. I mean, and, and by this point, it, this was pretty apparent. I mean, think about it. Jesus had healed the sick. He had given sight to the blind. Jesus had, uh, he had calmed the storm. I mean, Jesus walked up to the tomb of a dead guy and said, okay, Lazarus, come on, man, breaks over, get back out here. And Lazarus rose from the dead and, and came out. And then if that wasn't enough, Jesus sealed the deal on his authority by raising himself from the dead, conquering sin and death on our behalf. Jesus had a lot of authority. And so whatever it is that he is about to tell us, whatever it is that he is about to say, we can put all of our chips in. So this, this is what Jesus said. He goes on and he says, go and make disciples of all nations. This word go implies a continuous action that, that as you go along in life or, or on your way, make disciples. So this means it's not like we, you know, we're living life as usual and then, okay, we're going to call time out on life as usual. We're going to go over here and make disciples and then, okay, time in, time to get back to life, life as usual. No, Jesus is saying, as you go along in life, you don't have to go to the world, rather identify the world around you and reach it. You know, one of the things that, that we celebrate uh, as a church is that we send different mission trip groups out. Uh, just this summer, we have a, a mission trip uh, group that's going to Kenya, and I'm leading that group here in just a few days. Uh, we have a, a group of students who are going to be going to Cincinnati, and we have a group of students and adults who are going to be going to Cuba. And that's really exciting, friends. I mean, that's, that's really cool. We as a church, we can send these groups out, and they can go and, and have a big impact in, in the world. But can we take that same passion and that same excitement of those singular weeks, of those, of those singular week-long mission trips and live every day on mission as we go in life? Because that's what Jesus is saying. He's saying every day as you go, it's a mission trip to make disciples. And, and to make disciples simply means to connect people and help them 
begin to follow Jesus for themselves. And, and so all of us who are disciples, all of us who are followers of Jesus, we are on a journey of faith. And so what we're doing is we are simply inviting other people into that journey of faith. Well, I, I want to take a second to, to, to look at this last little word here uh, in this phrase where it says, go and make disciples of all nations. Uh, let's examine this word nations. And, and the, the word in the original Greek is the word ethne, which is where we get our English word ethnic. And so this, this means that, that, that this idea of the nations is you don't have to have a passport. You don't have to get on a plane because I know some of you don't have passports or some of you, maybe you're scared to fly. You don't really want to go uh, to Asia or Africa. But here's the thing. This word ethne, the, the peoples, Jesus is saying, go and make disciples of all people, of, of all groups of people. And the cool thing is that, that this understanding of, of groups of people applies all the way down to specific neighborhoods. Because as, as we all know, every neighborhood is unique. Every neighborhood has its own personality. And so, you know, you've got the, uh, the Sundance neighborhood uh, down in Mount Zion. That's different than uh, Stevens Creek up here in Forsyth or, or Greenbrier or, or the Ravina Park neighborhood here in Decatur. Every neighborhood is different. Every neighborhood is unique and specific. And so Jesus is saying, go and make disciples of all peoples. So it doesn't just mean people on the other side of the world. It means people on the other side of the street in the neighborhood where you live. You see, God has a heart to see all people come to know him. God desires for all people to come and, and be saved. This all-people perspective allows us to see everyone that we know and come into contact with as someone who can be reached. No one is excluded. Jesus says, go and make disciples of all people, no matter their gender or ethnicity, no matter how much education they have or, or how much money they have or, or what their social status is. Jesus says, I want everyone. I want everyone to come to me and have life and life to the fullest. Jesus had a heart for, for all people. Well, I want us to think now about who it is that, that Jesus is sending. Who, who are these people that are being commissioned to go and make disciples? Well, in this passage, Jesus is using universally plural language, which means he isn't just talking about the people who are standing right there, uh, who, who he was talking to, literally. Not just those disciples, but but those disciples, disciples, and those disciples, disciples, and you, you guys get the picture, okay? So Jesus was talking about all disciples. All followers of Christ are called to go and make disciples. They're called to go and, and, and reach others. Therefore, it implies that all of us have been given the ability, although each one of us is unique in, 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 a, in a specific way, we have all been given the ability to go and reach others. In Psalm 139, David, who wrote hundreds of years before Jesus gave this commission, uh, David wrote about how God has uniquely created each of us. He says this, for you, and he's, he's speaking about God, for you, God, you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before even one of them came to be. God has wired you and gifted you uniquely. You know, you may be here today and, and, and your 
mind, your, your personality has been wired for business and, and business just, just comes easily to you. Or, or maybe some of you here, you're, you're one of those type of people that you can just think and, and imagine how to, to build something or fix something and, and you've already got it figured out. You know, you're one of those people that, and by the way, I envy you if, if that's you. <laughs> um, you know, you're one of those people, you're like, okay, I want to build a bookshelf. And uh, you already know, okay, we need, we need uh, the boards to be this long. We're going to cut it this way. And this is the cross intersection. And I'm still trying to figure out where my tape measure is. And you've already got the whole thing designed in your mind. Or maybe you're one of those people that you're super linear, like you are, you're a type A, you have everything figured out and, and I could totally mess with you by going to your house and just moving something and you would be able to sense it. You'd go, wait a second, somebody moved a coaster in the living room and you'd have to go put it back or else you couldn't sleep that night. Maybe that's you. For some of you, maybe, maybe it was apparent even at a young age how God had wired you. From an early age, you were drawn to, to sports or or uh, music or, or the arts and, and, it, and it just came naturally to you even at a young age or, or maybe perhaps you know at, you were a math whiz at, at age four and numbers have always been your thing or perhaps you were a hyperactive kid like me I was kind of hyperactive as a kid I also had a really loud voice and so that was not a good combination for me I got in a lot of trouble because I was bouncing off the walls loudly I see a few people shaking their heads because they work with my kids down in first kids so anyway um, that was me as a kid yet when we when we bring those things the way that God has wired us and we bring them under God's lordship even even those things that may have gotten us into trouble as a kid when we bring them under his lordship, we realize that he wired us this way for a purpose. He wired us this way for his glory to be used by him. There is no way that I could do Club 305, our after school program, or, or do our work down in the block without a high level of energy and a loud voice, or else the kids would just walk right over me. God made us the way that we are for a reason. For some of you here this morning, you are highly relational. God made you that way. Or for some of you here, you're, you're a little bit more on the introverted side and all this talk about reaching out to other people and building friendships in your neighborhood to you is just, it's just a little daunting. But friends, let me encourage you. God can use your personality as an introvert to help connect other people to faith. God has uniquely wired us and he has uniquely placed us. Scripture tells us that God appointed the exact times and places where we would live. That God is near to your neighbors because you are near your neighbors. Friends, your address has eternal significance. Let me say that again. Your address has eternal significance because God is using it to be a presence where you live. The place that you live right now is not an accident. God put you there for a reason. You have been uniquely wired by God and uniquely placed by God for the life, for the mission that he has called you to. That means you have everything that you need for the mission. It's not like you have to, you have to go get a master's degree or, or, or you have to, to move somewhere else or, or you have to change your personality. You have everything that you need. You are already set up for what God has called you to, the, the mission that God has called you to. And that, the neat thing is that that's true for all of us. God has put us where we are for a reason. Well, Jesus continues the, the Great Commission by saying, 
baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. We are inviting people into a new life. And in this new life, they find a place to belong. They, they find a place of community. They find a place where they can do life together. That's what we're inviting people to, a, a transformed life. Well, Jesus concludes the, the Great Commission by saying this. He says, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. You know, a closer look at this word always here um, in the original Greek we see that it means the whole of every day. So Jesus is with us every part of every day until the end of the age. That means Jesus is saying, I am with you every part of every day. You are never alone. You're never alone. So when something happens in, in your neighborhood or, or at work and, and there's a tragedy and you aren't sure how to respond, you aren't sure what to say, Jesus is with you in that moment. Or when your neighbor asks you that crazy out of left field theological question about God or the Bible and you have no idea even how to start, Jesus is with you in that moment. Jesus is with you in your neighborhood. Jesus is with you in the moment. Jesus is with you in the conversation. You are never alone. Friends, this is the mission that we have been called to. This is, this is Jesus' great commission to us. but it takes intentionality. It takes intentionality. I know as well as you that the daily grind of, of just work and, and family responsibilities and trying to take care of things at home and, and, and all the other stuff that fills our lives, that those things can very quickly push the mission out because we're just trying to hold on and survive. We have to be intentional. We have to be intentional. We have to give priority to the mission. Because Jesus' commission is calling us to something great. He is calling us to greatness. He is calling us to join in his heroic story of saving people from the gates of hell. The mission that, that Jesus gives us is, is of eternal significance. We can make a difference in eternity. And that's why he calls us. And that's why we have to give it priority. That's the great commission. Jesus is saying, give your entire life to my mission and see what will happen. God has wired each one of us in, in a unique and, and special way. And so this is our prayer. Our prayer is this, God, take who I am. Take all of me. Take my, myself, my, my family. Take, take my personality and my gifts and, and who you have wired them to be. Lord, take my education and, and my possessions and, and, and all of my accomplishments. Lord, they are yours to use. Use them as you wish for your glory, for your mission. That's our prayer, friends. That's our prayer. We want to take a, a few minutes here to uh, apply this specifically uh, to the neighborhood where you live, this, this great commission that, that Jesus gave to us. And so over the past four weeks, we have been talking and, and encouraging you to, to get out into your neighborhood and, uh, and to be on mission. And so uh, during the first week, we handed uh, these out, and uh, these are our little cards uh, that have a blessing on the back, and, and hopefully you've grabbed one of these. If you, if you haven't had one yet, uh, you can get one from the uh, Welcome Center. But, but these little cards, we encourage you to take them and uh, like I said, there's a little blessing on the back there. And uh, 
We encourage you to go out into your neighborhood and, and pray a prayer, pr- pray a blessing uh, over your neighborhood. And so hopefully over the last couple of weeks on some of those good nights between raindrops, uh, you've had a chance to do that. Hopefully you've been able to bless your neighborhood and hopefully you did that in a way that nobody called the cops on you, okay? If you did, you're not with us. You're not with, with First Christian. Um, and uh, so we encourage you to do that. And then, uh, then the next week, uh, we gave you these nifty little magnets. And uh, we encourage you to get out and begin thinking about where the people uh, around you lived and, and specifically names. And uh, now we understand that not everybody lives on a tic-tac-toe board and uh, that's fine. Uh, you guys get the idea uh, that there are people around you. And so hopefully you had a chance to go out and begin thinking about, um, you know, who, who lives here and who lives there and... and uh, if you tried to cheat the system and you waited until the cover of darkness to sneak down the road and look in people's mailboxes, first of all, that's illegal. Uh, but second of all, that's stalking, okay? All right, that, that's not what we asked you to do. What we asked you to do is to begin learning those names. And th- honestly, there are all kinds of great uh, online resources and, and different databases so that maybe, maybe if you're like me, you introduced yourself a few months ago and you learned names, but and you forgot, okay? You can kind of cover your tracks a little bit. You can go back and, and remember those names. But the important part, and, and really the goal, is that you would get out, you would meet people, shake hands, uh, introduce yourself, and uh, build a foundation for, for a friendship there. And so, uh, so we encourage you to do that. And then um, last week we gave out uh, these forms, and uh, there was an opportunity for you to begin thinking about how you might do some type of event or project in your neighborhood. And uh, the whole goal here is that we, we want you to be a light where you live. Jesus told his followers, you are the light of the world. Let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your father in heaven. You can be a light in your neighborhood. You can be a light in your neighborhood. Now, I know it's overwhelming. It's, this is a big step. This is a big step to get out into our neighborhoods and, and, and be present and to, to throw a, a block party. You know, for some of you, man, a block party is exactly what your neighborhood needs. For others of you, a block party would be painful, okay? And, and we trust you to, to think about what's best in your context. But we understand that this is, this is overwhelming because if your neighborhood is like mine, there are probably people in your neighborhood that, uh, at least from the outside, you would say, they have no interest at all in the things of God or faith or, or going to church anywhere. And so we would probably consider those people a zero, not, not a loser, a zero on the, on the spectrum. Because if the goal is for people to go from not at all interested to 100, somebody who's committed to faith and, and following Jesus and, and learning and growing and serving in, in their own faith, uh, zero to 100 that's a lot of steps. I mean, that can seem overwhelming. That, that can seem impossible. But let me remind you, let me encourage you that our goal is to simply help people take steps one step at a time. So when you pray for your neighborhood, when, when you go out with that card and, and you pray a blessing over your neighborhood, that's a step. That's, that's a win that we can celebrate because you have asked God to be present in your neighborhood. Or, or when, when you have an opportunity to, to learn someone's name and, and, and just introduce yourself, that's a win, that's a step. Because now that person is connected to you and you are connected to God. Or, or when you have a chance to, to show some hospitality, maybe, maybe you, know, you invite somebody over for dinner or, or you know, there's, a, there's a project or something that your neighbor's working on, you give them a little bit of help, that's a win, that's a step. 
And so we want to celebrate those. We want to celebrate those wins. And so in the coming weeks, we're going to come back to you and we'll give you opportunities to, to share some of those wins in, in some creative ways. And we want to celebrate with you. So when the wind blows and, and all the, the limbs and stuff fall down in your neighbor's yard and you're out there uh, helping to pick them up, we are going to get all fired up with you. We are going to celebrate those wins because that's a step in the right direction. The bottom line is that obedience in all of this, obedience is success. Because while God gifts each one of us in a unique way and has placed us in in unique places, we are all called to one uniform response. And that is to be obedient. Be obedient where God has put you. As I said before, some of us live in really difficult neighborhoods and change will be a long time coming. But God calls us to keep being obedient Keep being faithful in the places he has put us. We do our very best to be present in our neighborhood. We do, we do our very best to be a light. But ultimately, God is the one who changes lives. Ultimately, God is the one who changes lives. So let me encourage you, friends. Don't give up. Don't give up. Keep praying for your neighborhood. Keep, keep investing. Keep trying to meet people. And it may take time. It may take time, but keep at it. Keep at it. And you know, one of the passages that I come back to again and again and again comes out of 1 Corinthians and it says, stand firm, let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor for the Lord is not in vain. Or another translation puts it this way and I really like it. It says, throw yourselves into the work of the master, confident that nothing that you do for him is a waste of time or effort. Everything we do to represent Jesus is worth it. Everything we do. You know, I remember probably five years or so ago when my family and I moved in uh, to a neighborhood up here north of the church. We, uh, we got to know our neighbors and, and pretty quickly within two or three weeks, we kind of figured out the lay of the land. And, and for one reason or another, we just felt led uh, to, to try to connect with our neighbors who live down the street and around the corner. And, uh, you know, Really, really, really great family, uh, great parents, great kids, but we just kind of, we, we figured out uh, that they were not in any way connected to a church. So our thought was, hey, let's try to connect with them, not be weird, but let's just try to build a friendship. And, you know, maybe somewhere along the way, God will connect them to, to a church somewhere. God, God will uh, connect them uh, to faith. And so we did the best that we could to try and connect. And, and about the same time, uh, I met a little second grade boy over here at Parsons Elementary, and uh, we learned that he lived in our neighborhood as well. He actually lived the other direction, uh, down the street and around the corner and, and down the hill a little bit. So you guys got all that figured out where that's at? So anyway, um, so uh, we're praying for this little second grader and uh, we're, we're praying for this family that lives down the street. And we did the best that we could uh, to connect. And, and honestly, there were a few awkward moments along the way. Um, one in particular last summer, um, and it's all my fault, but... Um, so last, last summer, uh, we, we'd just gotten uh, ice cream for the girls. And, uh, you know, it was a nice summer evening, and so we took the girls out. They all got their ice cream cones. We, we piled out of the van, and, you know, I was feeling, feeling pretty good as a dad that night. So I was like, hey, Mary, why don't you just go inside and relax? I got this. I got this. So um, 
I grab the girls and, and we're going to go for a little walk just around the block. And so uh, I've, I've got my three girls, Hannah and the twins, and I'm kind of, you know, shepherding my little flock, making sure everybody stays on the sidewalk and nobody goes in the street and, and they're eating their ice cream cones. And, you know, it's a warm evening. So what happens when a little kid has an ice cream cone on a warm evening? It starts to drip or they drop it and making a big mess. And so Hannah had obliterated her ice cream cone. It was gone in like five seconds. But the twins, it's dripping down under their hands. And so they're starting to whine a little bit. Daddy, daddy, help. So me being the hero dad that I am, I stepped in and I decided I would eat their ice cream cones for them. You know, or at least, at least kind of do some, uh, some uh, drip management, you know, and lick the sides a little bit. Um, we're all a family. You guys do that too. Don't make fun of me. But um, so we're... Uh, we're going down the street and, and, and I've got my little flock here and I'm juggling ice cream cones and I'm juggling girls and, uh, you know, we're just we're keeping everybody in line. And as we rounded the bend, we heard a familiar voice. Hi. Hey, that's our neighbor. You know, the one that we're trying to connect with. So I turn and I say, hey, how's it going? And uh, he said that they were getting ready to uh, go on a, a little trip. And so they're all getting in their car and they're going to take off. Well, my intention was, keyword intention, was to wave to him and say, well, have a great evening. But somehow in the process of managing the three girls and juggling the ice cream cones and trying to wave along with a thick dose of uncoordination on my part, I smashed an ice cream cone in my face. I don't know how it happened. Maybe there's a replay or something somewhere. I'm sure there's a lesson to be learned, like maybe I should never leave the house or, or I'm not trusted to eat an ice cream cone. I don't know. But all of that to say, it was, it was kind of weird. I tried to kind of hurry off and not let them see what happened. They probably did and they waited till they got in the van to laugh at me. But all of that to say, we invested in, in these neighbors. We tried to connect and then we just waited to see what God would do. And we waited and we waited and then two weeks ago, we were in worship and uh, the, the worship team was out here leading us during prayer time. And uh, you know, it's the normal practice during prayer time that uh, we have some, some leaders uh, stand up front here. And uh, I was standing right here, right there. And uh, you all were standing and, and singing and, and people were coming forward for prayer. And it's my normal practice that when, whenever I'm standing here and, and nobody's come up for prayer, I pray for you. Uh, you may not know that, but I, I see all kinds of familiar faces throughout the crowd. And so I'm praying for you. I'm praying that God would bless you, that God would bless your family. And that particular morning, I was thinking, man, God, you have just called and gifted this congregation to be a presence here in our community. And as I looked out over the crowd and saw the faces, I saw that family. They were in worship. Yeah. And the great thing is, then I turned my head and I saw that little second grade boy who's no longer a second grade boy. I don't know if he was ever that, that short as a second grade boy, but he's no longer a second grade boy. He's now a junior high boy who's as tall as me and he's standing there as well. And I was like, thank you, God. Stand firm. Don't give up. Keep praying. Keep working at it because you know that your labor for the Lord is not in vain. It may take a while, but your labor for the Lord is not in vain. Well, we want to help you put uh, some rubber to road on these things and, and, and have some applications. So uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you if you would take this insert out of your program. All right, you all should have uh, gotten one of these on, on your way in the door. And uh, 
This is a sheet that uh, we want to use to help you do something in your neighborhood, get, get connected with someone in your neighborhood. And so you'll see on the front here, there's a place where you can put some of your information down and, and this is just a way of letting us know that, that you, you're in, you, you wanna do this. And so uh, there's a place there where, where you can uh, put your info down and you can check maybe there, I'd like to collaborate with others who live in my neighborhood. And um, we aren't asking you to go, go out and do this alone. Uh, on our, in our neighborhood, up on Sheffield, we're having a big block party. We have a number of people from the church here. And so we're just all pooling together and we're, we're gonna throw a big, big block party up in our neighborhood. But you'll see on the back that there are all kinds of opportunities. And so you know your neighborhood the best. You, you know yourself, you know your personality. Like I said before, don't do anything that's gonna be painful for you. I mean, do something that will be stretching, but, but don't do something that you know is gonna be a disaster. There should be something here on the list that is good for you and is good for your neighborhood. And so we would encourage you uh, to take some time and, and think about, pray about how God uh, might be leading you. And even if you don't know yet, maybe you would say, I'm not sure yet, check that box. We will pray with you. We will pray for you that God would help you discern what's best. Or, or maybe you know what's best and it's not one of the things on this list here. We don't wanna hold you to this. Choose your own option, decide. And in all of this, remember that you are not alone. You're not alone. You know, that brings us back to the story that we began with this morning of, of that car accident that our family came around to. And uh, you should know that under that doctor's direction, the people and all the vehicles involved were okay. Under his direction, we were thankful that we were not alone in responding to this situation. Jesus has promised to lead you and be with you every step of the way. How will you point people in your neighborhood to God? How will you find a way to love where you are? Let me pray for us. God, you've gifted each one of us in a unique way. Lord, you have placed us where we live for a reason. Lord, may we be a light to those around us, God, because we know that there are people living in our neighborhoods who are far from you. And God, it's not by our power or, or our strength that they will be drawn to you, but it is by your power and strength working through us. Lord, may we be vessels of your love. May, may we show mercy and compassion to those around us. And through that, Lord, we pray that people would come to know you in a in a transformative way. May lives be changed for your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.